Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Uh, Now, uh, in the coming weeks, the Minister for Justice is expected to introduce new licensing laws covering pubs, clubs and other late night venues. And what it will replace are laws dating from 1935 and 1879. To tell us about them, we're joined by Dr. Johanna Duffy, historian and librarian at Mayo Public Libraries. Johanna, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Uh, So first off, I suppose let's start uh, with the Dance Hall Act. Was it, am I right in this that it was kind of somewhat inspired by a, a morbid fear of jazz ruining in the country? You're completely right. Uh, it was fear of jazz and essentially the devil music, as it was called at the time by some. Was, ja- was jazz popular in Ireland at the time? Jazz, everything that was popular in music essentially was jazz. Mm. Um, there was quite a strong international influence that was... Um, inspiring the youth of Ireland at the time in the 20s, uh, in particular. Um, the introduction of the gramophone exposed the youth of Ireland to new types of music and they embraced it. And they really um, became part of their dance life, really. Right, OK. And and, and I, well, there's probably a number of fears bedded under that. Was there, was there I suppose, firstly a fear that uh, Irish culture would be undermined by this? That would be one angle, that it was foreign. Um, it was, they saw it as anti-British in a way, but essentially the music was coming from the States. Mm. Um, it was um, been recommended by the Irish that were listening to it in the States when they'd come home, our post-gramophone records. And there was fancy projection that it was going to, in a way, destroy Irish identity. And uh, coincident with that at the time, there was an effort in particular by um, political leaders to uh, create a stronger, unique Irish uh, identity that was in no way influenced by not alone Britain, but the wider world. And at times it was called a Chinese wall. So this music represented all that the establishment didn't want to portray as uniquely Irish and Irish nationalism. Mm. And also at that time, too, in Europe, there was a lot of um, social nationalism. And we we might think we weren't impacted by that. But we had our own form of social nationalism in the 30s. Yeah. And so how did the, how did the Public Dance Hall Act kind of keep the foreign music at bay? Well, essentially, it um, was more supervised and there was um, the more spontaneous jazz music wasn't allowed because it was seen as demoralising. Um, and more restrictive um, approved type of dance was played. However, the irony is the objective, one of the main objectives was to protect Irish nationalism, but it led to the demise of spontaneous foreign dances and crossroads dances, mm. which was exactly against its objective, um, which is, it was quite sad, especially for rural Ireland. Um, that was their way of nourishing uh, traditional Irish culture. It wasn't just dances that occurred, it was storytelling on the side. It was just, you know, celebrating Irish culture. And that actually had the most impact rather than jazz still existed and flourished, albeit illegally or um, through the airways. Yeah. Um, but the main impact was actually on Irish culture. Yeah, and, and, and but also this act was, or was it the case that 
It also regulated the sale of alcohol in, in particular venues. It did. However, um, I'm not sure they exactly successful in that because it has been cited that uh, by Flan O'Brien that actually it led to more um, uh, binge drinking and interval drinking. So they drank quicker outside. They took breaks from the dance halls. And they drank their drink very quickly or popped out to different pubs in the locality and came back. So it introduced a new type of drinking, which perhaps wasn't that healthy. Right. OK. And, you know, we all, Johanna, we all have this, you know, vision of a traditional dance hall in rural Ireland and a priest would be there making sure people stand a certain amount apart and they'd be beating the hedgerows outside the dance yeah. hall to make sure there weren't couples in there. Did that kind of thing actually happen? It did in some instances, but it, it wasn't just the priest supervising our, our church controls parochial hall. That was um, a percentage of it. But it was commercially in the sense of local individuals who would be administering the same rules and regulations. So um, while it was church controls and um, the dance halls, it was more church-inspired and the, um, what was regarded as a um, respectful Catholic norm. Mm-hmm. However, with that, like as I mentioned with the drinks, Blanford, like the craft of going out for 20 separate drinks in a pub 400 yards away without ever appearing to have left the hall happened a lot. <laughs> I know. And equally, when you think of, there was a strong fear as the new uh, dance hall emerged of what happened on the way home. That became more of a focus. Mm. Um, and this law in particular was focusing on morality. And at the 30s, 40s and 50s, it nearly became an obsession and um, to focus on morality and in a way self-defeating because sometimes when there is such a restrictive culture, what you fear is going to happen in the long term either way. Yeah, you're making it sound good if you're going on about it. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and uh, But predating that, there was the Habitual Drunkards Act of, eight, of 1879. Uh, now, was that just meant you, it was illegal to be drunk in public? It was, and it was Victorian era. Um, and it, again, that was a paternalistic or maternalistic um, deemed um, concept of morality. And essentially what that act was, that um, a person that was convicted of uh, being inebriated would now, um, after they were sentenced, have to go to a retreat for being inebriated. Hmm. Um, In one sense, you know, the idea is good and we still really have it today in different forms. Not to be convicted, but the idea of helping people who perhaps would need the help. Um, But it still was quite um, controlling. Yes, indeed. Though, um, though, I mean, b- both, I mean, one imagines that the, the Dance Halls Act is still on the books, but it, it, the interpretation of it ha- has changed wildly through the decades. Yeah, completely. And I think that's um, really the key thing to the uh, Public Dance Halls Act. You know, a quite substantial um, portion of the Dance Hall Act is focused on health and safety. Uh, so in a way, that's not the issue. What the problem was, the way it was interpreted interpreted by the wider society and by the um, authorities at the time. And I know we're seeing it from a 21st century point of view, but it was quite conservative Ireland. It was very um, focused on the Irish Catholic norm. So it was a policing office and the way people in authority interpreted 
Because it, if you have an actor focusing on housing safety, that's not such a bad thing. Yeah. But it just, in particular, it, it was uh, the interpretation was um, heavily influenced uh, by the Carrigan Report of 1331. And that was focusing again on Irish uh, morality, on women, and women were viewed in a different light and in a way they weren't giving the, um, the respect we choose for themselves. Equally, Head Ireland was in a state of slum housing at the time and infant mortality. So instead of focusing on that, morality was focused on again. Yeah, uh, I imagine it's probably been a while since anyone was charged of being drunk in a public place. Uh, uh, if they still did, that half the country would be behind bars. I know. Uh, it's interesting. The same concern seems to be alive today. So even I, as a person, I noticed during COVID, that seemed to be something that was talked about excessively. And it did make me think of the 1935 Public Dental Act. Why are we as a country so obsessed with um, this as a topic? Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's fascinating, even as a document to show how Ireland has changed over, over the decades. Johanna, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was uh, Johanna Duffy there. Uh, Johanna is a historian and librarian at Mayo Public Libraries. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We'll take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on Newstalk.